0: And We I think, got into a fight. Yeah, I think that was a big turning point, actually, because mm-hmm. we had to have, at that point, conversations not only within our own relationship, but within the podcast about where we're we going and why are we doing it and what do we want from it.
1: Welcome on a very monumental dinner table Talks when you're talking about nice, big, round numbers. My name is Joe Hilliard. I'm here every week, but my partner in crime for the last 99 episodes,
0: Aislinn Campbell.
1: Welcome. We are going to talk about the history, the mm. how it all happened, the what have we learned. <laughs>
0: how all, it all happened. <laughs> all about 100
1: episodes. That's a big number.
0: You know, it's funny because when we started this whole thing, I had found a podcast they were 500 episodes in, and it's a really good food podcast with two people talking, and it kind of led me down this path. And I thought to myself back then, 500 episodes? How does one even get Once to 500 Once a week, that's almost 10 episodes? years. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But now, 100 episodes in, I'm like, it does go by faster than you imagined.
1: 100 episodes? That's not even probably the biggest thing that <laughs> no, happened no, this week.
0: By any means, it's been a very big week with hundreds of amazing things going on in our life, one of which is that I had the third procedure, surgical procedure on my dental work that I've been having done. So for those of you that have been following along with that story, it wasn't a full-fledged sedated surgery this time. But the thing about it is, is getting to this third procedure, I am using University of Texas San Antonio's dental school, which has been a fantastic experience. But I reached the point of my second year resident's graduation, and then she had to transition me to a new dentist who is at the beginning of her second year residency. And because of that, there was some transition breakdown a little bit, you know. In
1: a society that's already a little bit broken?
0: Yeah, that's already having some challenges. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's a very good way to say it. I deal with a lot of medical anxiety. That's an ongoing thing in my life that I have learned from, healed from, learned more from, healed more from over and over and over again. And most of my anxiety in this life comes from medical experiences I have had. Something like massive dental surgery has been a huge level of anxiety. I, you, you
1: like your old doctor very much. You're very, very comfortable much. with your old she doctor. She has
0: managed me through all of this anxiety. She's in a I level of communication
1: of. with you that you find acceptable.
0: Exactly. I am walking around with two holes in my mouth. And the ones that
1: in a big smile will be seen by people?
0: Absolutely. And the ones that when I want to take a big old bite out of something delicious are like the a, ones I need.
1: Like corn on the cob, yeah. you're, you're leaving behind <laughs> two trails.
0: Exactly. And so that <laughs> that just alone adds a level of like social anxiety, if nothing else, right? And then I've now got this... COVID world that we live in, where you don't just go to the doctor, or at least I hadn't just gone to the doctor. I have to go get a COVID test before I go to the doctor.
1: That's been your routine.
0: Yeah. And I live two hours from the doctor because I've been driving to San Antonio to deal with this. So I go through the procedure that I know. I start my Monday out. I've set my appointment to go get my COVID test. I am then going to get on the conversation with the doctor that's going to do surgery on my mouth. And then I'm going to get on to my super busy week, which includes a massive awesome farm to table dinner, which we're going to talk about in a minute. That's how I think my Monday morning's going to start out. And boy, did it get loud and screamy. <laughs> there was a little bit of temper tantrum going on there. Things were not going well. The corporate breakdown was real. The idea that you can't call somebody anymore and actually get a human to answer questions in a world where you need a human to answer questions... Blew up in my face and I had to face my anxiety with all of it. And it was all about corporate breakdown. It was like the structures are so broken that the local people don't actually know what corporate's doing and corporate doesn't know what the local people are doing. As we got into the car to drive to San Antonio yesterday morning, we ran across a wreck on 37 that shut the whole highway down for an hour.
1: That's always fun.
0: Yeah, that puts you an hour late to surgery because at that point, I had screamed at everybody, and she didn't know what she was walking into. And she's a second-year resident student, Who's going to deal with this
1: patient for the very first time. Exactly. Who everyone at the dentist office loves. Loves, and today Today, knows is... She's
0: about to cancel her appointment. Right. She's important. We like her. Don't lose her. Right. (laughs) I mean, I know that that sounds weird, but that's exactly what happened. I learned as I got through the day yesterday. Mm -hmm. So when I got her on the phone, I explained everything to her we're going to just text. And I'm like, listen, young woman, I know, millennial, I know, you don't need me to call you every five seconds, but I'm going to need to text you because it makes me feel safe. Here I am, stopped on the highway, an hour late to an appointment. If I hadn't been able to communicate with my doctor, it would have been a big old disaster when I got there again. Those close-knit levels of communication are an essential part of the world that we live in. Yeah. So how do we move forward is, you know, a huge part of it. And I think that generally oh, speaking— I think we stay
1: broken for a little while. You
0: know, I think we do. But at the same time, I think that we need to be very clear and honest about our mental health, our anxiety, when we're speaking to anyone.
1: Well, your smile is beautiful.
0: I know. I'm happy about it. I have like an actual smile now, you guys. Do
1: you want to talk sugar fast real quick?
0: Yeah, super fast.
1: I'm just a handful of days away from being 21 days into this whole thing. The cravings that we talked about two weeks ago are long gone. The talking myself before going to a thing to to not do alcohol or not do sugar is gone. I'm already considering how to move forward. Yeah. Do I just tack on another week of that prohibition? Or is it time for me to start bringing things back into my life that make sense? I don't want to live a prohibitive lifestyle
0: freedom is my greatest priority and it includes the prohibition i put upon myself
1: oh i was gonna say while a prohibition of sugar and alcohol seems very limiting it has been outstandingly freedom giving Mm
0: -hmm. yeah oh yeah fasting has always felt that way for me too
1: one year ago today time
0: what are we doing here? What are we doing here?
1: So one year ago here? today, we did episode 1.48 called, Did Noah Enchant Two Roaches? Um,
0: <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> that was
1: fantastic. One of my favorite lines that I've ever said. Uh, I think
0: you can begin to see last year when things really started to get more groovy in this podcast. At the end of an entire season.
1: (laughs) um, Hurricane Hannah uh, hit about an an hour and a half south of us. So that was kind of the backdrop of the entire episode. As we
0: were driving home yesterday, as we're driving across Texas, I was like, oh, we were having a hurricane this time of the year last year. It was a little one, but it was a hurricane and we faced it.
1: (laughs) But speaking of the way we eat, we went in depth about fasting.
0: There's something interesting about the timing and the seasonality of diet, too, if you think about that. When is it in the timing of the year when all of a sudden we're having toxic levels of sugar and salt and alcohol and da-da-da-da-da and things that we need to look deeper into? For me,
1: looking down and seeing a little more heft (laughs) around the midsection than I care to.
0: We need to be honest. We're moving through a time where if someone like me is just like, oh, my garden's amazing and I never fail and all the delicious food that we eat is so. Oh, fantastic. And I am
1: holiest of holies. The narcissist and da, 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 da. perfection that we present on social media and in a podcast uh, such as let this. Let me
0: tell you, Aislinn yelled at people the other day. Let me tell you, I eat too much sugar and drink too much alcohol. Let me tell you, I get depressed and sit on the couch too long. Let me tell you, Joe has a little extra middle around. the. <laughs> hey, aside
1: from the extra middle, I am the definition of perfection. So I'm not even going to entertain this track of thought with you at all.
0: I just want to get real No, about it is it.
1: interesting. I, I do. Well, I've said this before that the sugar fast that I'm currently going through will get me. I've dropped 10 pounds. 10. Nice big round number, right? Um, I can
0: tell by the way, sweetheart. I love you and you're comfortable and your fingers aren't quite as fat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And then <laughs> I will frog in boiling water it. To where I'm back where I didn't want to be and maybe it's time to start all of these things over. That's a weirdo cycle, right? A weirdo cycle of not staying consistent. Sugar fasting or intermittent fasting are fantastic tools to help you rediscover your true relationships with food.
0: And I think that setting standards for what we desire is an essential part of how we move through lifestyle and what our diet is not the diet we're on but what our lifestyle is and how does that encompass it and i would have to say that for me setting a standard of saying i will no longer take my body to toxic levels of sugar and alcohol is setting the standard Mm -hmm. that's the standard Okay, now I make the rules and boundaries within them as I move through life, as I find paths of least resistance, as I learn better how to, but my standard, my boundary that I have set is toxic levels of sugar and alcohol are not for me anymore. Hear, hear. Well, it was another one of those fantastic farm to table dinners that we put on out at Freedom Harvest Farms. And number three? Absolutely, yes. Sold
1: out in an hour?
0: Oh God done and the whole event just came together so nicely and we're getting into the groove of it we're finding the right i mean we've had the right people to come throughout the whole time but like we're culminating a network of people that completely understand and people are walking away saying wow that was more than i even expected and it's just been this beautiful amazing thing that has arisen and grown and will continue to grow and support all the people that are involved in it from the customers to the hosts to the chefs to the local brewers and crafters and all of this kind of thing we're gonna just continue to draw in a beautiful network this thing. And I absolutely love it. And I'm thankful to have begun to set this process into motion. But this meal was phenomenal. It hit every delicious American summer party standard.
1: It was. I mean, it's really come into its own. The Mm -hmm. idea that you're going to harvest and hold all of the vegetables that you want to incorporate into the meal.
0: Yeah. Process things early if we need to. Collect you know?
1: vegetables yeah. that you're not growing or yeah. you didn't have enough of, whatever the yeah. situation yeah. was. Proteins. From your friends yeah. around the local food yeah.
0: And it is very, community. very much, you guys, it's very much about the co-oping and the friendship of it. It makes a big difference. It affects the businesses that are involved when we come together and support each other in these collaborative efforts that are happening. I mean, ours is just one that is happening all over this country and all over this world, creating these community networks. It's July 27th was when the actual event was. It is flaming hot down here. It is humid as Hades. The wind is not blowing. And we're hosting an outdoor cooking event with cooking fires going off. Mm -hmm. And yes, of course, we did everything we could with some friends. We've collected a little portable air conditioner they loaned to us. We've got you know different kinds of good fans to help keep the flow and the energy going but i will tell you that our guests knew we knew we were coming to an outdoor event where we were going to be sweaty and the (laughs) the first
1: timers are being trained by the folks that have been there prior to oh yeah this is what it is and And let's let's
0: get up out of our table let's go see the cool stuff going on ah
1: check out the longhorns so what did you put together food wise this time
0: well, I got this idea that because we're going to do it in July, we need to do burgers, you know? We need to- summertime. Yeah, yeah, let's have a true summertime meal. And so, you know, when I threw it out to the chef originally, I was like, okay, we'll do burgers- and I was like, and we'll likely have some melons, and we might have corn. If we don't have corn, I can save corn and potatoes. I can save potatoes. Yeah, I gotta have some French fries. Yeah, exactly. And so he was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, we had we had we did have all of that. We had a corn salad, and we had he French did that, fries. He did with that our on that. Te- he
1: did that corn salad on that tabletop grill
0: mm-hmm.
1: next to his cornmeal seared okra yep. uncut smaller pieces of okra the way you and like And I like to
0: harvest real small pick okra. Pick them right yeah. cuz they
1: stay tender and they're mm-hmm. nice and delicious. Mm-hmm. And just a dusting I think of a little bit of egg just to hold that cornmeal to it salt and pepper to it and then just put it on that grill top mm-hmm. and I was like man I hope that's good cuz I could do that mm-hmm. so easily mm-hmm. at home. Skipping yeah. the fry. Last week I was talking about how we hadn't fried fried okra. One of the things we did this past week was to fry that okra along yeah. with some steak and yeah. other things. We're yeah. not even, even going to talk about that meal because we <laughs> talked about fried nights so often. Yeah. But that cornmeal seared okra, just yeah. that simply done, was so good.
0: Yeah. And then I kind of talked him into doing the black-eyed peas. So we had kind of a trilogy of salads that, that came out like this. Very, those are very summer traditional. I mean, if you go back to last week's episode, you'll hear us talking about camping and how we basically prepared similar types of things. Mm -hmm. You know, summer salads that are easy with all of the summer fruits and vegetables and goodies that are coming out of the gardens. In the midst of this podcast, in the midst of the dinner, in the midst of all of the things that I do online, it's always about education for food security. Like, okay, how do I teach you how to grow things? But what do we do with them after we grow them? And if you're putting things aside because the corn had to harvest early because of all the rain or because the potatoes had to harvest early because of all the rain, the onions, all I mean, you, the melons, I mean, all the different challenges that you have with growing food, if you begin to understand how to put things aside and how to cook with what you have, that's food security. Having this event where I get to communicate these things to
1: folks. You just, you just made me think of something. We went to Vegas one time with my folks and we ate at this seafood restaurant where their gimmick at this seafood restaurant was to bring out a glass case with live versions of all the potential seafood that you could eat.
0: And it was awesome. It was
1: awesome. Mm -hmm. And so you might say, I'll have that snapper. Right. You do that at these with the vegetables and it is so unpretentious. But I thought it was so effective when you brought out three different types of potatoes Mm -hmm. and you were holding the potatoes Mm -hmm. uncut, unwashed in your hand. And you said, I've got, what were the different types? Kennebec, Uh
0: Yukon Gold, Uh Reds
1: these will be your french fries tonight three types of potatoes that came out of that land 50 yards away that i had to let me tell you the ups and downs because we were about to get some flooding rains Mm -hmm. more flooding rains Mm that the the food that you eat at any Mm -hmm. restaurant or at your home or buy from the grocery store is real Mm-hmm. and it was living real a day ago yeah, or whatever. People connected to that this week so much. I could just see it happening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that there's a level of privilege that we do have to discuss, right? The people that were in that room getting that education have the ability to afford a $65 meal per person. Sure. Okay? But they're also the people that are going to go out into the community and help to support initiatives to teach food security in this way.
1: I was reminded in that moment of how one of the many things you can do to help a picky kid eat a few more vegetables is to bring them into the kitchen and help you prepare the meal. Yeah, this is the sixty-five dollar a person (laughs) version of that. Although they're not literally cutting or cooking, they can get up and watch the chef do what he do.
0: Yeah, and they want to get in there. And I'll tell you, they really wanted to get in there when uh, Michael Green, a local list, amazing mixologist. So we have a distiller in our area that makes gin and vodka. And I connected with my friend, Michael, and said, hey, you want to come out and show us how to make a seasonal cocktail? Let's teach, let's show, let's get you using even in your delicious spirits and things that you're drinking or a sip of celebration that you're using local melon and basil and figs and you know, all the different things that he was using. And you're also supporting a local distillery in our area. You're keeping that flow of function available in our area like the crowd just had such a great time and they wanted to get in there and look at what he was doing and he was like, Peeling rinds off of things. Muddling, and muddling things. Muddling things and
1: whipping things. You know, I found that he was,
0: he was a lot more quiet than I expected him to be, you know? Didn't you find that to be kind of funny?
1: I felt like he was walking into the unknown because sure. one of his favorite customers, where he does mix drinks, asked uh-huh. him to do a favor.
0: Uh huh.
1: And once he got there, he was like, oh, wow. This I is... see that they're creating a vibe out here. And he, wasn't even done with this first one before he said i'm coming to the next one right
0: yeah and you know he's a gardener too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so he was into this whole farm to table concept the truth is is that when it comes to that level of access and privilege my heart is very open and i look forward to finding all the different ways that we can involve all different types of folks maybe it's just checking out some of my awesome youtube things or maybe it's just listening and hanging out with us here at the dinner table
1: 100 episodes yes how did this all begin do you even remember
0: well the way it began was
1: you were jealous that i had a podcast and you wanted one i think something like that
0: i like to talk to people about food and when you and i first met i wanted to do a podcast with you i did and, and I, didn't I was know... doing a
1: different movie-based podcast Yeah, at and the I time, didn't
0: yeah. know how or where. And I, I mean, it clearly came together when it m- was meant for it to come together for us. Well, I didn't know
1: how either. I would show up at that recording. We had a producer that brought and set up the gear. I would talk with my co-host and I would leave. And then on Wednesday, the podcast would come out. I didn't know how to do all this stuff.
0: Yeah. So I think that when I began to see that there was some easier access, easier ways mm-hmm. to create podcasts. And that we had let go of the biggest project we'd had since we'd been together, which sure. was a, a huge nonprofit that we basically started together. Because we, you know, had retired from that, we're creatives. What next? You know? And for us it's always gonna get back to the food and it's always gonna get back to us talking about our life because that's what we like to do.
1: Do you remember anything of the early days when we had the conversations of, well, what's this going to be about? Do you remember any of that?
0: One of the things that I always said was a part of our relationship that was really, really, really important. It's not that it's not important anymore. It just doesn't come together the way it did then, which means that it has our importance in that specific way of doing it has changed. But when our kids were little, coming to the dinner table, and this went on all the way through as the boys became teenagers and the girls started entering their teenagers, we come to the dinner table many nights of week where we all sit down together and have a meal. That's our life. That's where I found the most interesting conversations coming to the table.
1: I remember that we said we'll do two meals a week and then two dinner table talks a week at the very beginning. Yeah.
0: And we'd come to the table with different ideas. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't know what I was going to talk about and I wouldn't know what you were going to talk about.
1: Unanswered questions didn't exist.
0: Yeah, but that came up fast. I think
1: we did table (laughs) topics, which has now become question of the week.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: At the very beginning. Have you listened to episodes one through five or in in any...
0: I remember being really judgmental of every word I was saying because I was like, everybody out there is going to be judging me. We're going to get all this pushback, blah, 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 blah. So that has seen... I've seen that change tremendously. I've seen that like, you know what? This is what we talk about and Mm -hmm. let's be honest. But I think that unanswered question has helped me with that because I like the idea that
1: we're... We we, don't know everything. We're not even pretending that we do.
0: Well, you know, I mean, I think that there's a human nature of, I'm right, and this is what I know, you know, and and I definitely have that tendency about me. Oh, you definitely (laughs) do. I'm
1: not far behind you. But at
0: the same time, there's that balance to me that would say, okay, well, I said that so affirmatively. I should probably go do some research to make sure I know what I'm talking about. Well, thankfully, you're really good at deep diving and digging your hands in the dirt and learning about things. And so we've gone through this podcast with, you know, challenges, because we really didn't know what we were talking about, about making that kind of food or criticizing a restaurant about something we've never tried to do before, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. The podcast has made me a better home chef. Mm -hmm. The podcast has infected our life in so much as, hey, we got to record tomorrow and I have not cooked anything worth talking about.
0: Like, what are we going to talk about this week? (laughs) Well, uh,
1: I guess I'd better make some osobuco, you know, so we can have... (laughs) I was going to ask you, what have you enjoyed the most? For me, I enjoy the arcs. I enjoy talking about a sugar fast over the course of four weeks. I enjoyed the original five mother sauce challenge and how that spontaneous decision to do that helps change and shift how the entire podcast works.
0: Well, if how do I say what are my favorite things about The
1: grain-free crust challenge, it was important for us to learn and now we can teach. You know, that I hope we continue to do as long as we do this.
0: Well, that's certainly getting our hands in the dirt.
1: I completely agree.
0: One of my favorite things about the podcast is that it has made me a better presenter. It's made me better at speaking. It's made me learn to make it in shorter words. It's made me listen to how I communicate online. And I'm more working at crafting that. That's an important part of my future development of my business. One of the other things that I really love about the podcast is also one of the things, or it brings to mind really not liking the podcast, because I've gone through that. And you and I've talked about that a lot. But In the very beginning, one of the first episodes, it might've been the first episode, you actually said, well, this will be kind of like therapy, like weekly therapy. And as we get into the first year, I'm like, no, I don't, this is not our therapy, you know, whatever. But the truth of the matter is that it actually has been a very much like that for us. I've watched us develop our relationship, grow through things, say things out loud. I mean, we actually have one week where we didn't really have an episode it was the fallen out episode yep. three minutes of you just Expl- a explaining something. why
1: we don't have an episode this week and I we think, got into a fight
0: yeah i think that was a big turning point actually because mm-hmm. we had to have at that point conversations not only within our own relationship but within the podcast about where are we going and why are we doing it and what do we want from it in that moment i said i have a bad attitude about the podcast I'm treating the podcast in a bad way and I'm looking at some things in a bad way. What is that about? So then I had to kind of dig in a little bit deeper for myself, but then to start changing my attitude about what is the purpose of the podcast? What are our intentions really? What are my intentions for our relationship and how we move forward in that? And what do I really want to talk about here? Because if we're going to be spending this much time in our lives, and we do, we spend a huge portion. That's why I did a little TikTok video the other day where I asked you, what does it take to put this together? Because we spend a lot of our life creating a podcast that isn't really returning on a quantitative level yet. But in that, in me beginning to shift my mind into... But is it giving a return on the qualitative that I'm looking for? And absolutely it is. Absolutely. Because that's what I said. My favorite things about the podcast are it's helping me become a better presenter. It's helping our relationship. It's helping our authenticity within our relationship. It's helping us sit down at the table. It's helping us talk through foods and meals. It's helping us expand our creative vision about our life together. And our community and our future and what we all want and desire in this world. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. I'm enjoying it so much more than I ever was before.
1: Well, let's get even a little more honest. How many times have we sat down to record? I come home to do that. Walk through the door. Everything's great. But we sit down to record and get into some kind of argument. How many times has that happened? Enough? In 99 episodes. Guess. I don't know the answer, but I'm guessing 12.
0: I would have said 20. 20? Yeah, 20. Maybe maybe I held it in a little more. <laughs> so that is
1: some kind of activation coming out of...
0: It's the first time we sat down and looked at each two, other all week. <laughs> well, I was going to say
1: two creatives about to create. And the energy that tends to be sparking and rolling around inside of a creative when they are about to create. And how for whatever reason, passion, increased endorphins that might be going, that the the creative process does, was translating into you and I getting crossways easily.
0: It's interesting because I remember at the beginning of our relationship, it was Wednesday that that always happened. Not the podcast, but the argument. Which was the
1: day of the farmer's market.
0: It was the day of the farmer's market, which was a big stressful day for me.
1: And you cannot ignore that kind of correlative relationship.
0: The podcast has given us abilities to work through that. I find it to be so fascinating that we launched a podcast right when we did, right in the time. I mean, everything about the timing of when the podcast started and when everything in my life started to shift means so
1: much to me right now. And we're really seeing that as we do the one year ago today segment, Mm -hmm. which is relatively new, but I like this concept of using this, we've said this many times, as a journal so that I can go back a year ago and see exactly what we were up to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and through COVID, that was really interesting. Oh, yeah. Looking back a year ago and seeing what our philosophy was then compared to now. Shifting through careers, shifting through life and death. This
0: child is number number what it's Child number one about. leaving,
1: child number yeah. two leaving, child number yeah. three prepping to go.
0: I said at the beginning of the podcast today, I said, oh, wow, you know. I can see where the shift began to happen, where we really started getting a little bit more philosophical. And now I can literally say, well, when someone asks me what the podcast is about, I'm like, oh, it's about delicious food that we eat and grow. And it's about the philosophical conversations that we have when we come to the dinner table with our teens and our parents and our friends and local business owners. And it's fun because... I want to know the people out there that are quietly lurking. I want to know the people that are like super fans. Got to get it at 5 a.m. I mean, there are. We we see it every week. Boom. The transition happens. I can see the people that listen to it immediately. I want to know the people that have popped on to listen to one episode because somebody sent it to them and there was something in that episode that activated the shit out of them and they are mm-hmm. madder than hell at us, you know? Like, I want to know who those people are. I want to engage in conversations. Do
1: you have a favorite meal or recipe or part that just leaps to mind over the last 99?
0: Well, it's it's interesting that you mentioned the osso buco the other day because that one always comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. The very first time you made and served osso buco and then we had... Turn up mashed potatoes with dill in them. Mm-hmm. That rocked my world. Like mm-hmm. I was like, he's at a level of serving me five-star dining in my own home. There isn't a restaurant in town that can make a, a meal as delicious as this with the ingredients as local as this. You've learned so much in the last year, mm-hmm. two years, I guess two years now almost. To make really good food, you have to have two things. You have to have fantastic ingredients and you have to know how to prepare them well. That's how you make Five star food mm-hmm. okay i've got most people and anyone that's listening can get good ingredients now but you add to it a level of craftsmanship with actually knowing how to cut that stuff how long to cook it at what point to put it into the dish into the mix that takes it up to fine dining that takes it up to Really well done. And if you think about the next level where you've got chefs that can do it fast, efficient, that's what we're talking about with the farm-to-table chef that's coming in there and showing you the tips and tricks. Because you can do some of the same things they can do. It just takes you three times as long.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh Peniela Vodka comes to mind as one of the favorite things that I made while we were doing this uh, the osso you're right uh, slams into mind the idea that I've gotten those black eyed peas perfected right. putting more thought and care into how to make a steak
0: I loved that when we were out at the dinner the other night the chef asked you so what's the challenge right now yeah you know, because that's stuff that chefs definitely get into. Like, yeah, we're being challenged to do something with something. We don't have to a challenge learn how right to now. Do something. We don't
1: have a challenge right now, and I think that it might make sense on episode one of season three, which is just three or four episodes away, to come out with. The new challenge of the first half of the new season. That'd be fun. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm also looking forward to doing some more Friends with Benefits. Um, I was going to
1: ask you about that. Yeah. Uh, Friends with Benefits is a thing that COVID kind of put to rest and we haven't really kicked it's back been up quieter. Since, since since we've gone. Yeah, Friends with Benefits, we go to someone else's house or place and they make us a meal. Then we all get together and record an episode about it. I would love to get that going again. And it can still be sporadic. I, again, no rules. Let's not put rules on ourselves. Right. Once a month or we fail. I yeah. don't want that. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not interested in that. I also am very eager to get this Patreon where we have, it's happening more and more where there's a whole 12 minute section that we just cut out for time. Right. And we're collecting those. Yeah. And that conversation could certainly stand alone. We have a few of those. I'd like to kick that off with episode one of season three.
0: I would really like to add in some sort of, um, an in-person dinner party element to it. And
1: that'll be so much easier when we get out to the farm. Absolutely. And so I, we've
0: mentioned this before, I've thrown this idea around, but I think we could do, you know, a dinner table talk, Hacha Hacha night where Joe does some flaming Hacha Hachas and only dinner table talk guests are coming to this event.
1: I want to thank every single person that's ever listened to any episodes. But anyone. I, I really want to give special thank yous to anyone that's passed it along to a friend or a yeah. family member. The podcast landscape is denser every day.
0: It's immense, yeah.
1: And it is difficult to break through. It is difficult to find an audience because there is just so much content to there's wade so much content through. coming through these so days. Anyone that has ever helped us out by passing the word along gets, gets a huge pat on the back from me and hug. Thank you to our, our patrons. If mm-hmm. you go to Patreon or if you go to dinnertabletalks.com, you can find a way to, you know, monthly be a patron. We've got several of those and we really, really love them. We're
0: very, very grateful. Thank you for being part of our energetic creation. <laughs>
1: The other thing I like is at the end of the farm-to-table dinner, all of the leftovers have to go somewhere and they usually make it into my refrigerator.
0: For me, sustainability is always about a return on the investment that a person made. And so taking our leftovers and turning them into another delicious meal is how I roll.
1: I rolled home with a handful of fully cooked delicious hamburger patties. Then you rolled in the next day with a fresh harvest of squash, mm-hmm.
0: peppers, peppers. All the leftover vegetables, all the things that we're needing to get cooked.
1: We still have onions running out of our ears in every corner of this home. And then here comes the brainstorm. Baby, I can heat these patties up or we can eat them cold and have just an easy night in. And I think it was your idea. Why don't we try a smothered steak?
0: Yeah, my grandmother used to always make a smothered steak. So delicious. So yeah, let's give that a try.
1: Pull out my big Dutch oven.
0: Pull out your big what?
1: Dutch oven. Oh, clarify. Pardon me while I whip this out. Blazing saddle. Just leave me alone. <laughs> So I pull out my big Dutch oven. I know someone
0: else out there laughed louder than I did.
1: And because I didn't have to cook the smothered steak, the meat was already prepared. I just added my... Didn't use flour, used arrowroot so that you would be gluten-free. But that and then a homemade kind of herb (laughs) and spice blend that included... Oregano, paprika, thyme, salt, pepper, etc., and mix all that together. Instead of putting that on my meat, I put that in my onions and my peppers that were down in the bottom of that Dutch oven so that I could still get some of those brown flakes of the flour cooked onto the bottom of the pot so then I could add my broth and then scrape that off because there's a lot of mm-hmm, good flavor in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Basically, I'm making this mother steak but skipping the steak part.
0: So then he calls me in there, of course, like he always does. He says, have a little taste of this. So, I have a little taste. I'm like, remember, I told you those peppers were hot. (laughs) All of our anaheim, sweet peppers, and there are
1: (laughs) hot peppers.
0: And then there are the ones that go in between.
1: Then there are the ones that go in between. And Uh I just kind of was very cavalier about it. These are all sweet peppers. (laughs) Nothing's going to burn us. I am getting rid of the seeds, those didn't go into the pot. But yeah, those peppers had a kick. Oh, yeah. I'll get back to that in just a second. <laughs> then after that all cooks down and the, the arrowroot or flour that you've added is can now made a gravy, you add even more broth to thin it up and that's going to cook for about an hour with the steak that you would have put in at the beginning if you were starting with raw steak. Mm-hmm. So I made a timer for 30 minutes prior to this being fully cooked. I'll just dunk those hamburger patties in. Mm-hmm. Then 10 minutes before they're they're cooked, I'll put this bunch of squash in.
0: Now that I understand that, I think you might have been better off to put the burgers in a little bit longer.
1: A little bit longer?
0: Yes. Okay. Because I didn't realize that you had done that. But now that I think about it, that makes sense.
1: Well, for 30 minutes and then a little bit longer because it took longer to, to cook the squash down the way I wanted to. That meat, in my opinion, is sucking in the gravy right. around it and getting some flavor from yep. all the onion and pepper and everything else. Yeah. But a little longer probably wouldn't hurt it, yeah. right? Because um, you're
0: basically just boiling your meat in a very nice gravy, tomato right. gravy, basically. Right. Yeah. Now,
1: getting back to the hot pepper, it was too hot. Right. So I looked up online how to reduce pepper heat from a stew or soup. And there's a couple different ways that they suggest you're adding acid and I had already put in a handful of cherry tomatoes that I purchased at the farmer's market. Those are acidic. Mm-hmm. But uh, Worcestershire sauce, vinegar, white wine vinegar, uh, uh-huh. lemon. What's going to go the best? I used red wine vinegar uh-huh. and a little couple shakes of Worcestershire since it was a beef. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I think adding all that squash oh, yeah. helped decrease the, yeah. the pepper, dilute it. And I also added another cup of chicken broth just to generally dilute any pepper that would have been in it in a single bite. What did you think? Came out okay?
0: It was okay. I think that it needs some more work. And if I had to say what my second biggest disappointment is when I go to a restaurant, the first one, of course, is freshness, localness, good quality food, ingredients. But the second one would be when a chef has muddled food. You know it's breaking down from the original way the chef wanted to prepare the intent was the, not through the system yeah. and there and now you've got people slopping together food that is all muddy it mm-hmm. doesn't really have great flavor
1: anymore so that was the downfall of that dish i, I thought it tasted great oh yeah, yeah it, good start but definitely. i'm not going to disagree with the thing you just said
0: and i ate food that tasted good and i would have eaten it again and i probably will eat, if there's one more serving left over yeah totally well, hey, while we're in this intellectual vibe, why don't you kick over a question that we can deep dive into.
1: You sent me a Myers-Briggs type personality test.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: And we have decided that in the near future, we're going to go over some of the questions of this personality test here. Yeah. But rather than a question that I pull from a box or a game or whatever, I'm going to ask you just, I'm going to close my eyes and put my finger down. We're going to go over one question. Okay. These are your options. Slightly disagree, very much agree. Neutral, slightly disagree, very much disagree. Got it? Got it. Okay. When someone thinks highly of you, you wonder how long it will take them to feel disappointed in you.
0: I think I'm a slightly disagree.
1: I'm a strongly disagree. I don't have that gene. I don't care what people think until I do. You don't care what people think. See, this to me is a very pessimistic notion. The idea that if someone thinks highly of me, it won't be too long before they don't.
0: Well, this is that thing we were talking about the other day when I told you that I had listened to something Sarah was talking about, about her original relationship with her husband and just kind of saying like, You won't like me when you get to know me.
1: I think I said that to you at the very beginning of our relationship. You did.
0: Now that I think about that, I love this,
1: this, 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 and this about you. I said someday those are going to be the things you hate the most.
0: And and there were moments in our, there have been moments in our relationship where I've said like, oh my God, you never stop talking. <laughs> like That's the thing I, one of the things I love the most. Oh my God, I love your radio voice. Oh my God, would you stop it with the radio voice, please? You know, like.
1: <laughs> but that's not me wondering how long it's going to be before that occurs.
0: I think it is. I think it's the same thing. Hmm. I think I believe that saying to yourself, well, it won't be very long before he'll recognize I talk really loud all of the time, not just when we fight, not just when I'm excited, not when I'm mad, not when I'm happy, all of the time I talk loud. And I'm not even the loudest person in my family. So when you go hang out with the Jamesons, it gets loud. (laughs) Like when will people go, we don't want to hang out with loud people, you know, that kind of thing. I
1: told you I had so much trouble filling out this stupid quiz because I would begin to churn. There were some questions that I just answered. Here's one. You enjoy going to art museums. Agree. Strongly, strongly agree. Strongly agree. Yeah, that's easy. I can yeah. answer that one, click that one, move on to the next one. But one of these, I, I churn in it. I'm,
0: I'm i, I wanna on I want to work through yours. this one. I want
1: to work through this one. When someone thinks highly of you, and, and it happens to me from time to time. Oh, yeah. I wonder how long it will take them to feel. I do not have that conscious thought.
0: Pay attention to what is activating you or triggering you investigate that's not a trigger the me, way that you saying. react. Okay it's not a trigger but you do say out loud "Oh, the well,
1: person I was potentially going to spend the rest of my life with.
0: But that's a that is an inner self reflection that is.
1: But it's not a common thing that I do with every person I come in contact with.
0: But it's something you thought about with the most in person important I person strongly you were.
1: disagree with that sentence. You said slightly disagree. You don't have that?
0: No, I, do, I have elements of me that wonders when someone is going to decide that they don't like me anymore. Think about it. Think about the times that we've gone to dinner with people where we've run our radio mouth the entire time. They've hardly spoken. And then they never invited us to have dinner again. You see, that's but where I my mind goes. But I wasn't thinking during the
1: meal. I wonder how long it's oh, going to really? be. Oh, really?
0: It it, why is it that when we head to that meal or the next meal with new friends, you say, I'm not going to talk the entire time. I'm not going to talk the entire time. I
1: think that our closest friends like us for us. So I, I don't have to go into that all of the time. I agree. But with newer people, that's just me checking a behavior that's not me saying they like us now; they won't like us in the future.
0: No, you're not saying that, but you are saying that. You're saying that if I don't curb <sighs> Tune in my next to me, personality, folks, where
1: we <laughs> don't come to any conclusions. And again. send
0: us your thoughts. What do you think about Joe and his?
1: God, why are you asking people to do that? <laughs> don't send me your negative thoughts at all. Send me only positive thoughts. Aww, thank you. A hundred episodes. Yes. How did this all begin? Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime...
0: Hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you.
1: And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. So I looked online into how to decrease pepper heat from a soup or a stew. A soup. Mm-hmm. From a soup or a stoop. <laughs> Just leave
0: it. It's fun. <sighs> what he means is this is why editing take takes the- so long. Because <laughs> if I hadn't figured out why I did it, I would have.
1: Well, let me do it again. Ready? Take two. <laughs>